every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and we're back after match day four. Joining me this evening is Manu Veth. Manu, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, Bryce. It's just the two of us today, which is strange. Um, kind of reminds me of the good old days when we did the Mexican podcast together. But yeah, um, doing pretty good. How about you? <laughs> yeah, it does remind me of the Golazzo days, I must say. Um, though it's, it, it, I must say, in my time zone, it was a little bit easier to watch the <laughs> games this weekend than it does with those. But um, yeah, we only two up top today. Um, Chris will be back next week, I'm sure. Um, but we're, today we're going to focus on obviously match day four in the Bundesliga. There's plenty to talk about, but also preview um, and look into the signs that are going to be featuring. In Europe this week, we've got the Europa League returning and, of course, the Champions League. Yes, it's that time already. Manu, it seems like no length of time ago we were talking about a transfer window. And then, well, we don't talk about international breaks that much, do we? No one's interested in that much. Uh, apart from when Northern Ireland can finish bottom of their group with no points and still get to a qualifier and win a penalty shootout to almost go through. I don't know what's going on. I don't think anyone does. Anyway, back to German football. Um, let's um, yeah, let's talk about uh, match day four. Uh, we've seen quite a few one-one draws, but also um, also a lot of action as well. Not so many home winners. But mm. um, how about we start off with um, uh, talking a little bit about the the teams that are going to be in Europe in Bayer Leverkusen. So Leverkusen were away to my with a horrid start. So for Leverkusen uh, coming in and winning 1-0 there, a goal from Alario on the 30th minute. Uh, Manu, so we, we normally talk about Peter Bosch and his side scoring plenty of goals, but then also conceding plenty of goals. That doesn't seem to be the case this time, right? They, they, I mean, they're, they're barely scoring at all. There, were, there was two goals before this and just three draws, and now they've just added a third goal. Um, Leon Bailey with his first game back in the action, but... Um, yeah, it's it's a bit unlike them, really. Well, I think it's because they lost a lot of attacking talent, right? When you when you lose um, Kevin Folland and you lose uh, Kai Havertz in the season before, you use Julian Brandt, um, and the only addition is Patrick Schick up front. Uh, that's just not enough. And I know that there there was that um, failed last minute transfer of Milo Drasicka. Um, You know, it's one of those stories of failed fax machines and uh, documents not being handed in in time. And I think that would have been a great addition for them to, if they could have, if they actually could have gotten this across the line. I mean, from what I understand, the contracts were all signed and the deal was pretty much complete, but it, they just ran out of time to get it done before the, 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 the window shut in Germany. Right. And they, I think they're kind of paying the price a little bit for that price that they just don't have enough depth in the attack. And um, for Bosch's football, that's so important, right? That um, variability up front to have players play different positions to, to switch it up. And yeah, I think this is going to be quite a difficult year for them in, in many in many ways and in a very condensed schedule on top of that, right? With the fact that they're playing Europa League, they're playing so many games um, back to back to back and, and not having quite that depth. Um, I think that's going to really hurt them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, we all know that, you know, Bosch's sides tend to like to give away uh, points uh, needlessly at times where when they seem to be playing well. And if they're not scoring goals, this is going to add to their woes. Um, how important is it for them to have Leon Bailey back on the side? Yeah, I think it's it's good that they kept him. That, that was another player that they, they considered maybe um, selling. I know Tottenham were sniffing around, um, checking whether he was available or not. And having him still available for the team, I think it's important, um, especially because there's now new arrivals, right? So him being back in the side 
is key. Um, it's absolutely key. Yeah, absolutely. And he did look threatening and ended up with an assist in that game. All the difference, the one goal. So let's look ahead a little bit, Manu, to uh, Thursday night. They're going to be facing uh, a French opponent in Nice. Um, how do you see this one going? I mean, it's hard to tell what form's going to be like for many of these sides. Yeah. Uh, you know, when games are played thick and fast at the moment, uh, you've always got the threat as well of uh, players being tired from the international break, which you know, there, there seem to be three games for a lot of these players. And then obviously the corona threat as well. Mm. Now you throw this into the mix as well. Um, how do you think they're going to get on um, against Nice? And then I suppose you know, if we look forward in the competition. I think it's never been more complicated to look ahead to games in Europe than this year. Um, and because of the, the many factors that you mentioned, the, the, the amount of games, the, the fact that teams could, um, face, you know, automatic defeats because if they don't get enough players onto, onto the field, then the new rule is that then a game will be automatically counted 3-0 against them, right? Um, the COVID-19 is, is making things very complicated. And then on top of that, um, France is, I, I think League All, we can't really underestimate League All. I think a lot of people do, but remember, um, they like the Bundesliga had two teams in the top four of the Champions League, right? In that tournament in August. But at the same time, they didn't finish the season last year. They, ended up um, calling it quits before anyone else. And um, the final standings were calculated using a points per game average, right? Which means like that teams like Olympique Lyon missed out and Nice qualified. So it's, it's weird. I, I find it really difficult to predict this year where teams are, right? Because of the, all of all these things. And um, even if you say, okay, this is a really good team with a really good squad, but all of a sudden four players are out with COVID, uh, what's that going to do to the overall constitution of a team right so it's it's so difficult i would say that looking at this group as a whole price that is the most difficult opponent um nice is a team that lucien Faber worked there right a few years ago um famously balotelli he was actually one of the few clubs where he worked really well out as well um i think this is going to be the most difficult opponent in this group um, and for Leverkusen, I think the expectations are that they're going to finish in the top two and qualify for the next round. Yeah, this is it. It's, it's certainly going to be the toughest opponent, you would imagine, anyway, that they'll come up against. And Dante as well, uh, formerly of uh, Wolfsburg, will probably know Leverkusen fairly well from his time in the Bundesliga. So we'll have to see um, just how that goes. But um, as you said, I would imagine Leverkusen will be hoping to get through that group and go deep into the competition. So let's talk about the other Europa League side in Hoffenheim, who, as rightly so, had been getting plenty of plaudits this season. And they came up against Borussia Dortmund, who we will get into a little bit further with their Champions League tie coming up. Mm. But unfortunately, on this occasion, they lost 1-0. Manu, you and I were just talking before we came on air about um, Hoffenheim failing to have their full side available. Many teams did have this scenario, um, Mm -hmm. resting players after the international break. But unfortunately, for Hoffenheim, it was a Corona or COVID-related uh, issue for three of their players. Yeah, and the biggest one is Andre Kamaric, right? The player that Bayern Munich targeted on transfer deadline day or the days before transfer deadline day. Um, Hoffenheim put a 40 million euro price tag onto him and that ended that debate really quickly because I don't think Bayern wanted to spend that much money for um, what would have been essentially a backup striker for uh, Robert Lewandowski. But this... This hurts Hoffenheim, um, not having Andre Karmaric and watching the game against Borussia Dortmund. I know we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more in depth because we're going to do the Dortmund group next, right? I think that you could really see that Hoeneß plays a well-organized type of football. And I think that when we look at Sebastian Hoeneß, who has such a famous last name because of his, uh, of his uh, uncle, uh, Uli, right? And his father and... The family has, has made a big, big mark on Bundesliga football overall. And he's really done a very good job with this Hoffenheim side. I mean, they beat Bayern Munich 4-1 with a fit Kramaric in the side, right? So I think them not having Kramaric for this, for this game is, it makes such a huge difference. And it's one of the brutal realities of COVID that 
people might get infected and even you know if they're infected and they they just test positive and they don't get sick they still have to they're still going to be out for two weeks right and um we have a Fofenheim Kaderabak for example um his one of his family members um was was diagnosed or were tested positive for COVID-19 and therefore he is missing this game as well because if you have someone, if you are contact person one, right? Um, and in Germany, that means if you have to been in close contact with a person for more than 50 minutes during the time where people shed the virus, that means two weeks of isolation. And so you could be healthy, but you could still have to have to isolate. And I think this is again, um, something that a lot of clubs will have to wrestle with this year. And, um, because we don't have the time really to, to, to make. Uh, amendments for it either right because the schedule is insane i mean we're going to be in match day three by november three november third we're going to be in match day three of the champions league prize that's three weeks from now we're going to have champions league football this week the week after the week after it's it's such a condensed schedule and um yeah so i think it's again um they're facing Svrena Svetsta, right for the first match uh, red star belgrade um, under normal circumstances, I would say, and a difficult opponent, but it's so hard to judge at the moment where those teams are at. Yeah, well, as you said, Manu, you know, it, it, there's going to be a lot of the clubs that are going to be balancing, you know, that, that act of, you know, trying to keep players uh, fresh, uh, fresh uh, you know, with so many games uh, coming up there. There's plenty of talk of, you know, games every three to four days uh, for the European sides. And then you've got domestic um, cup competitions as well and then you have to hope that nobody has to isolate as well and you know this was a massive loss obviously for Hoffenheim and maybe would have made the difference at the weekend we we seen a, you know, a, a close victory uh, for Dortmund you know I, I thought Hoffenheim were very well organized uh, Gicinovic you know, could have scored early doors for them as well so uh, you know on, on another day with a full side maybe it would have been a different result but you're just not to know and this is something that everyone's going to have to go through so looking at uh, their group uh they've red star belgrade uh you know during the week how do we see that game going uh, Manu, you might know a little bit more about them than i do if i'm being honest uh but will hoffenheim also be looking at this as we've got a good thing going on in the league at the moment that is where we will have our priority or are they going to try and fight on both fronts but you you're pointing out a very interesting question like what are clubs going to prioritize this year and for many years we have i mean chris and i went to leverkusen and we spoke to simon rolfes about this and said like we bundesliga clubs have to put a bigger priority on the europa league right because they have definitely underperformed in that competition and this year once again we lost the bundesliga side um to Ike Athens in, in the playoffs. So of course, you know, maybe if with a return match that would have gone differently. But um it, it's an interesting interesting question. Like what are what is a side like Hoffenheim going to do? Are they just gonna bin the Europa League and focus on the Bundesliga? And because I think with with the team that they have and the coach that they have, they they could potentially finish in the top four, which means Champions League, right? So what's more important, playing in the Europa League under very difficult circumstances or maybe binning the Europa League and focusing on the Bundesliga and trying to get the best results out of that. It's it, it's walking a fine line. Um, as for Svrina Svetsta, I think, you know, this is a, this is, is a team that you can't underestimate. Um, I don't know what the constitution of the side is like, like how many players are fit. How many players are potentially, you know, what's it, what's it going to be like for those, for those, um, um, for, for, for them traveling with the COVID situation and all that? Um, it's, it's a hard one to say. I do know that they have a very good keeper in Milan Borian, Canadian, right? Um, they have, have been fantastic for years in developing young talent. So we're probably going to see players play in this game that, we're then going to see later on being snapped up by big European sides. So it's, I personally think it's going to be a really interesting match, but it's going to be very difficult to predict what's going to happen and how Sebastian Hoeneß is going to, um, to take on this challenge. 
Absolutely. I think that's going to be the interesting side of it, just to see, you know, based on the performance and the team that he puts out, how, you know, how important he sees this competition. I'd be surprised if he doesn't take it very seriously. But let's talk about uh, Hoffenheim's opponent at the weekend in Borussia Dortmund. So, we, as we mentioned, it was a 1-0 victory. We've seen Holland come off the bench. Yes, he didn't start um, uh, uh, precautionary, I, I think, after playing so many mm. international games. Also, Jude Bellingham, Rookie of the Month in the Bundesliga, also starting on the bench. But Haaland came off the bench uh, with Ross, and they managed to combine for the only goal of the game. Um, Haaland then went on to hit the post, but that was it. Uh, so, um, let, let's talk a little bit about the performance um, at the weekend um, against uh, Hoffenheim. As we've just said, they were very organised, Manu. But, mm. but Borussia Dortmund, um, I... I think I was speaking to you during the game and I was saying it's it's not the prettiest of matches and you were saying, yeah, but this is the type of game and performance that they need every so often just efficiently get the job done. Yeah, and Chris said they, they basically had to better the Bayern result, right? I think that's Absolutely. that's that's also correct. I mean, Bayern lost 4-1 to Hoffenheim and Dortmund beat them 1-0. So if you want to challenge for the title, you have to beat the results that your opponent is uh, putting out. And they did that here. That's, um, I think that's the positive. Definitely wasn't pretty. Uh, it definitely was, I think, a result that, in my opinion, had seriously written all over it until Marco Reus and uh, Holland came on. Um, I think that the two made a big difference in this in this game. Um, you could see right away when Holland comes on, it, it changes everything. And Marco Reus as well, I think. You know, he doesn't necessarily maybe have the legs right now for the full 90 minutes, but he does, does make an impact when he does come on the field. And I think that is what maybe Borussia Dortmund have this year. Um, the fact that they were able to keep Jaden Sancho, right, is, is such a big one for me because it means they have so much depth up front now and they didn't have to replace that depth and they'd be able to actually add um, players like Jude Bellingham to the side, where I think he is a wonderful football player. Um, the fact that Gio Reyna is now emerging as this, this wunderkind super talent, that gives them a lot of options to rotate and make changes late on in the game. And, and they did that. And, you know, they, they, Lucien Favre brought on the victory from the bench. I mean, this is, this is 100% what happened here. Uh, Dortmund, I think Dortmund, had this game under control. I think it would have been a little bit different if Andre Kramaric would have been fit. I think Kramaric gives Dortmund a little bit more problems here in this game. But in this dense schedule, having the fitter and deeper squad makes a difference, if that makes sense, right? Because you are able then to say, okay, well, their top player is out and we have two top players on the bench and we'll bring them on. That is going to make the difference in many games this year. And I, it was really interesting listening to Hans-Joachim Watzke. He was on um, the Aktuelle Sportstudio ZDF in Germany on Saturday night, which is a very popular TV show. And he talked about this game and he said, look, we were in control of this game. I mean, my frustration was only that we didn't score goals. And I actually think he's right. I think they were in control. It wasn't pretty, but I didn't, you, you never really got the sense that Hoffenheim were going to win this game, right? And I think, and this is some of what we discussed among us in, in our group, in our secret WhatsApp group, uh, let's call it that, that in last year, they would have possibly lost that game, right? This would have written like a 1-0, late 1-0 um, all over it. So I think Dortmund can take a lot of positives from this result. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, as you said, um, Hoffenheim may have been well organized and probably kept the scored down, made it difficult for uh, Borussia Dortmund, but never really looked like much of a threat. Um, you were, we're forgetting that, as you said, Reina always looks a threat, uh, and he did have a chance cleared off the line, and Munier did hit the cro top of the crossbar as well. So the, you know, the, there were a few chances that on another day could have went in for Borussia Dortmund. But so I think something that we have to... Um, uh, talk about which seems to be going under the radar is three clean sheets out of four games for Dortmund. That's not something a little bit like the Leverkusen that you, that you normally associate with them, and uh, I, I think that's going to make all the difference this year as well. I mean, how how do you feel, Manu? 
it's interesting, Watzke, there was the question asked, um, Watzke was asked a question about the German national team um, and the, the the problems that Germany has in, in defense. And I mean, that they're quite obvious, right? We, for those who saw the international break games, um, the defense is an absolute mess for Germany at the moment. And he said, well, we would have someone who could clean up the mess. Um, he's unfortunately not getting nominated at the moment. But yeah, Mats Hummels has been outstanding for me. Um, he's he's making a big difference in that back line. And it's not just him. It's I think that with the amount of games that you have, maybe the focus is also on just being defensively sound first and then worry about the other things second, if that makes sense, right? Because it's much less physically consuming to play a holding game and do actually sit back and then just be there when it matters rather than every game have attacking fireworks. And so maybe Favre's football with the schedule that we're facing this year is possibly actually the way to go. You know, this really methodical approach to every game because you will see everyone will drop points. Everyone will drop points this year because it's such a tight schedule. So for you almost want to minimize the amount of points you're dropping rather than, you know, getting the most amount of points out of it, if that makes sense. So I think maybe Favre's style of football is actually going to be something that they're going to help them during COVID-19. Yeah, that's a good point. That that may be all the difference. You're being uh, more organized uh, than than ever and keeping things strict and tight, you know, with all these games coming up. So let's... um talk about the game coming out I mean we'll talk about uh, the next match day because that's going to be an interesting fixture uh, as well but we'll do that later on the yeah. pod I know we've got a good question about it and a few topics but uh, before that they've got the Champions League to play on Tuesday night they're facing Lazio um, possibly the toughest uh, game in the group I would say I mean Lazio um, have started fairly positively in the in in Saria, uh, unfortunately, though, getting a three 0 defeat at the weekend to Sampdoria. Um, all the talk is also going to be about Immobile and mm. his return facing his uh, former side, who he played uh, for Dortmund 2014-2015. He didn't score a lot of goals in the league in Europe and Cup. He was a little bit better, but some would call him a, a bit of a failure of a transfer. Uh, is that going to be extra motive for him and his side? Yeah, I think um, that's been the big question in Germany about Zero Immobile and whether he's um, going to be extra motivated for this game. I mean, he was Europe's top goal scorer last year, right? Um, scoring the most league goals in uh, any of the, I think it's the top five leagues that they that they calculate, that they, they, they use it factor two and then from the lower leagues to factor 1.5 right and then that's how they calculate the golden boot um he just beat out robert Lewandowski, although immobile played more league games and i think that was a big factor in this but he's a top striker he's not um not a striker you know who's quite as all round and uh, gifted as someone like robert Lewandowski. i think he's a very classical italian striker he works in a system that is set and built around him and very deadly in front of goal. I, I watched the Italy-Netherlands game um, during the international break. I had it on in the background while I was working. And um, he, you don't see a lot of him when he, when he plays. But, you know, when he's, when he's in the right spot at the right time, he will score. And I think the, the big problem for him when he was in the Bundesliga is that we don't have um, the expectations from our striker that they would just hang out in the box and score. I think that's uh, in Germany, those days are over. And maybe in Serie A, it's a little bit different because of the entire tactical system is set up differently in Italian football, right? So you, you expect different things from your players. It doesn't mean they're better or worse. It's very hard sometimes to compare different leagues and across different countries because the style of football does vary quite a bit, right? Um, so I think the expectations in, in Germany was that he came in and he would replace someone like Robert Lewandowski, who was not just, it's not just a number nine, but is also a 10 and an 11 and can, can fulfill so many different roles. And I think that was just the shoes were too big to fill for him in this, in, in this regard, right? 
Um, I mean, in the end, it was Pierre Emerick Aubameyang who emerged as being the successor to Lewandowski at the time. And that's always because he's a much more multidimensional player. And I think that's what you want from your strikers in German football. They have to be multidimensional. Right? They're not one position striker. Um, they are players that fulfill multiple roles. So it's going to be interesting to see Immobile in these games because Champions League is different than Serie A. Right. And, um, I'm really curious to see how this, because I think this is the key fixture, Bryce, of when you look at this group overall with, uh, Lazio and, uh, with, uh, Bruges and Zenit. I mean, I know Russian football quite well. We have the Football Grad podcast, right? And Zenit is a good side. They are a team that, um, have a lot of money due to, because of Gazprom. But I do think that Borussia Dortmund Lazio, that, that is the key fixture. Those two teams are going to finish first and second in this group. Manu, you've obviously answered the question I was going to put to you next, um, saying where they're going to finish in this group. But uh, if if they get through the group, I mean, you know, is Dortmund expecting to? Obviously, they're expecting to go as far as they can. But you know, where, where do you think their expectations maybe lie? Where do you think they want to, you know, get to at least the quarters, the semis, even further? Oh man, Bryce, it's so difficult to see, right? I mean, I see I say this so many times, it sounds like a broken record because. But it just is. It's so hard to predict. And I mean, there might well, be... Well, they, what would you say their expectations maybe are? Like, at least quarterfinals. It must yeah. be at least the quarterfinals. You have to get out of the group and you have to get to the round of 16. Right? You have to get to the quarterfinals. And once you're in the quarterfinals, uh, so many things can happen. This That's the thing. I mean, look at... Look at last year, um, Leipzig easily got to the quarterfinals. I think they played Tottenham, right? And, um, brushed them aside like they wouldn't, didn't exist. It was like, it, the, the difference was huge. Um, but Dortmund played PSG off the field at home. And then two weeks later, the coronavirus crisis hit and a full on hit. And they had to play in an empty stadium in Paris, which I think hurt Dortmund more than Paris. I still think to this day that Dortmund would have probably gone through. Um, if there was attendance in that game, because I think they are a team that thrives off that atmosphere, right? So it's so hard to say in in so many ways, but I do think that the quarterfinal is the minimum goal for Borussia Dortmund. And once you're in the quarterfinal, you know, couple results go your way. Um, you can be in the semifinal so quick, and then in the in the final. And uh, I mean, we saw that at the at the tournament last year. And who knows what the Champions League finals are going to be like. Maybe we're going to have another tournament like last year, right? And once you're in the quarterfinals, it's single elimination and um, you can go very deep in this tournament. Yeah, absolutely. You get to knockout stage of any competition and, well, you just don't know what can happen, eh? But uh, let's move on then and talk about the other Champions League uh, sides. And we'll begin with um, Bundesliga table toppers, RB Leipzig, sitting up there with three wins. And one draw, 10 points after four match days. Uh, this weekend, seeing off Osberg, who also had had a very positive start, only conceding one goal before this matchup. Unfortunately, on this occasion, they managed to concede two. And it was 2-0, as we've seen a first half a header from Angelino. Yes, a header again. Mm. Um, and and then we've seen Upamecano have an effort cleared off the line. But then finally, uh, Paulson scored an absolute belter, didn't he, to to finish the game off, uh, ending 2-0. So a really positive game um, after the international break for RB Leipzig. They're sitting top of the league. Um, I would imagine that Nagelsmann was rather happy with that performance uh, and uh, and and be sitting where they are. Yeah, he must be. I mean, he is he ever happy, Bryce? I don't get uh, well, this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what? I, I can absolutely um, uh, feel for that as well because um, he never, he, he always seems a bit too busy in his own head, I think. Yeah. To, uh, also, the to, most to interesting press conferences I ever had were with Julian Nagelsmann. Um, if you use the wrong word or the wrong question, you are in for a lecture. Uh, <laughs> I think it's happened to both me and Chris. Uh, I've gotten a lecture on economics once by Nagelsmann because I used efficiency rather than effectiveness and he explained the difference to me. It was very, very interesting. Didn't answer my question, but it was very interesting. I think this is someone who is never quite happy with the, the football put out by his side. I think he always works on improving and trying to, 
to get a better result. And I think that Leipzig are in a very challenging group, <laughs> a very challenging group with Basaxi here. Who they're facing first? See where the Deb I pronounce it for you, so you wouldn't have to stumble <laughs> over. <laughs> no, and you have no idea, listeners, how many times I've, I've wrote this down and tried to say it before the pod started. Now I'll just let Manu say it. Yeah, and I probably still got it wrong. Um, but um, Basaxi here, and then of course Man United and PSG, and I, I think this is my group of death this year, in in terms that that. One of the one gift that never gets returned. Trick question. It's three gifts: beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved ones' doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits. Then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under sixty minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers five dollars off their first order. Just enter promo code Jingle at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Bigger sides. I mean, Leipzig is a semi-finalist of the Champions League. PSG is the finalist of the Champions League. Man United, uh, for all their problems, are still a very big club. One of those three, maybe more, because we should never underestimate Basakshi here, right? I mean, who knows, right? Especially with COVID. One of those teams could could be gone. Um, Not just from the Champions League, but completely once the winter comes around. And so I think this is this is a really difficult group, and for Leipzig, it's going to be absolutely key to win their first game. You cannot in this group allow to drop points um, against Basakshi here, and that, that's no disrespect, especially at home, right? They need to win this game, and um, those three points are going to be very important because I assume that United and PSG are going to take points of each other. I'm pretty sure that Leipzig will take points of United and PSG as well. It's very hard to, to really see how these results are going to pan out. Um, so I think that first game is 100% key. And uh, Nagelsmann actually said something really interesting today. He said it's going to be important to counter Basakshi here's gut football right like they play a very emotional style of football and I think what he means by that is to really focus on the fundamentals and Leipzig's match plan and just don't get swept up in the emotions and I think that is going to be 100% key in this because I went when I I saw Basakshi here live in November last November when they played against Gladbach and this was a game that Gladbach had under absolute control they just needed a draw and then they would have advanced and a late goal then uh, sealed it for Basakshi here and they went through and Gladbach were out and this is a team that doesn't give up I mean they won the Turkish championship they're the first team that's not named Fenerbahce Galatasaray um, or Bijiktas in many many decades to win the title right and so I think this is a team that they can't underestimate and I think they really need to focus on the fundamentals to get the three points that they need for this group. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, th- I think you know uh, it's important that RB managed to to get that early three points on the board against Basaksa here. I tried my best there, uh, but uh, they, I mean, the Turkish side haven't started very well, sitting second from bottom. But it's early days, only five games in there, so so you don't know what their priorities may be but with Demba Bar up front I, I suppose they've got a you know a, a well-seasoned you know veteran up front you know he he knows uh well he knows a lot of Europe pretty well you know so there will be that threat but Manu, I, I was listening we talked about Nagelsmann you know, and his, his style and that and uh Tyler Adams had said that you know no matter where the ball is on the field he expects that when they win the ball for it to get up into the final third in eight seconds. And yeah. you look at the likes of Manchester United, you know, eight seconds, not not that demanding. Eh? But <laughs> so you see the likes of Manchester United, you see the likes of uh, PSG. And these are all teams that um, are very um, 
attack heavy, I would say. Um, so it's, it's going to be a very entertaining uh, group, I would imagine. We talk about the group of death, but it's it's going to be it's going to be fun watching uh, a group of death. Don't you agree? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think people should not underestimate what Leipzig are going to do in this group. I think uh, I saw some English pundits say that Tottenham had it easy when they got Leipzig in <laughs> in, in the elimination last year, right? And um, well. Turned out it wasn't that easy after all, right? Um, they, they disbanded Tottenham pretty easily. So, yeah, I think this is, this is a really, this is going to be a very entertaining group. And yeah, yeah, it's eight seconds. Leipzig, I expected to move forward eight seconds. It used to be 10. That was Joachim Löw. He said 10 seconds, um, back before the 2014 World Cup. So Nagelsmann just moved the, moved, moved the bench, benchmark and said eight. Um, that's a, not a lot of time right from winning the ball to going on to the attack um, he's basically shortened what is expected for most teams by two seconds and um, that's a two seconds is a long time when you when you're trying to win the ball and move forward so yeah they it's it's really interesting what's happening in Leipzig I, I know a lot of people see them critically but I think it's really interesting what's happening there and and, and Tyler Adams I mean um, he's a player that explains is, is great to listen to for especially for American listeners and English speaking listeners because he, he explains the system that Leipzig plays so well, right? On a day to day basis. And he's so available to journalists that we really get a lot of insight from him and the way that Nagelsmann ticks in so many ways. I interviewed uh, Tyler Adams, um, during the COVID-19 break and it was really fascinating just listening to him and the, the expectations that they have at the club. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting year, I think, for Leipzig. And yeah, I look forward to uh, to watching them all the way. So let's talk about the third Champions League uh, side in Borussia Mönchengladbach. And before we talk about them facing Inter Milan uh, during the week, I suppose we better talk about their match day four performance. They had a 1-1 draw in the late late kickoff on Saturday mm. uh, against Wolfsburg. Uh, Florian Neuhaus uh, came back from international break with a goal for Germany, uh, but it wasn't him who scored on this occasion. It was Jonas Hoffmann who scored from the penalty spot. Unfortunately, Wout Beckhorst spoiled the occasion for them. So, um, Manu, how do you feel that Bruce Hitman Gladbach are getting on this season? I mean, if we look at the table, they're sitting in 11th. Uh, one win, two draws, and one loss. So it's been an okay season so far, hasn't it? Um, though, I don't know about you, I kind of expected them to brush Wolfsburg aside as uh, they they seem to be constantly struggling to uh, get their players fit and on the field. Just when they were coming back and fit the likes of uh, Thuram, then they had international breaks and now they're trying to get fit once again. Yeah, actually, you know, before... Um, maybe we should have taken COVID into account because I actually thought Gladbach are going to do quite well, but it, it is difficult for them, even though they are, were able to keep all the top players um, after last year. And they had a very good year last year and they played some fantastic football um, at some point, even challenging for the title, right? And I think it's going to be very difficult to maintain that high level. And uh, the national team games don't help. I think they don't help anyone. Um, I think that maybe in a year like COVID, we should have maybe been to national team games altogether. I think there is no place right now to play what is, in my opinion, glorified friendlies and qualification games for a tournament that might not even happen, right? Because club teams are always going to prioritize um, in their club competitions over the Euro. And um, who knows what COVID looks like next summer um, or whether we have a vaccine that allows them to even play. So with that in mind, um, Gladbach, as long as UEFA is going to stick to this schedule with all these national team games, Gladbach are going to struggle because they're going to have players come in and come out, right? Out of the squad, into the squad. And this Champions League group is really hard. Um, I mean, we just said Leipzig were in a group of death, but this group is much easier at price because... This group is stacked. <laughs> stacked. Because you have Inter, right? Very good team. Uh, saw Inter last year when they played Borussia Dortmund. Um, Dortmund beat them 3-2 after being down 2-0. But this is a good team. Very good team. Then you got Real Madrid. I mean, 
we don't need to say much more than that. And, and then Schachter, <laughs> and then Schachter Donetsk and Schachter Donetsk are a good team too. You know, they're, they're a side that are always in the Champions League and often not just in the Champions League, but also make it out of the group stage, right? From a smaller league in Ukrainian Premier League, but still they are a good side. And with all of this in mind, this is, this is hard. This is going to be very hard. I mean, on the one hand, on the other hand, maybe Inter will also have to rotate players or maybe because in Italy, we've seen this now twice, right? That uh, Juventus is in quarantine right now and Napoli weren't allowed to travel. Maybe there will be three points to be had because a team might not be allowed to show up, right? But it's really difficult. This, this group is very difficult. And I think for Gladbach, it will be an enormous success to even finish third and qualify for the Europa League um, beyond the winter. Um, anything else... I think it's a bonus. Yeah, I, I, I do feel a little bit for Gladbach. Uh, you're g- getting into the Champions League and then I, I feel for them on, on two fronts. Uh, one, that's a very difficult group, you know, and it's it's unfortunate, but that's the way it goes. You're in with uh, Europe's best and the possibility of getting a, a tricky group is always going to be there. You have to deal with the cards that are dealt to you. But I think with, with the way... The world is right now, and um, with the pandemic, yeah. it's not making things any easy for them. You know, I I think we've seen them perform very well last season, um, domestically um, especially, and it, it, this is a, a bit frustrating, I'm sure, for them. You know, to to go into this uh, tie, you know, with the issues that that they're having, but I suppose everyone's having these, as you mentioned, Manu. But it's it's going to be tricky for them, and maybe the Europa League, you know, and them getting into that by a third place finish wouldn't be a bad result, really. But um, yeah, they're they're really going to have it um, up against them. The only way I feel better for them is that they have Mainz next weekend, so you know th- things will be okay, guys. So. Let's move on to the final uh, Champions League side. I wonder who that could be. Who are we missing? Oh, maybe the champions, Bayern Munich, of course. So um, at the weekend, we'll obviously talk about their match day uh, game. First, they took on our newly promoted Armenian Bielefeld, um, winning 4-1, uh, 4-0 up at half time. Two goals from Lewandowski and two from Muller. Who else? Um, yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I'll just insert, you know, a quote on Lewandowski right now, I think. Uh, but um, yeah, fantastic first half performance. They got the job done nice and early. Gretzka playing very well, too. Um, in, in fact, playing very well throughout, really. Um, though Armenia Bielefeld, credit to them. Uh, and even Hansi Flick said, you know, that he must, uh, you know, say congratulations on them playing football in that second half. They came out with intent and really tried to to give it all they could. Uh, Unfortunately, some of the players reported that they probably would need an oxygen tent to get over the effort that they put in in the second half. Duran getting a goal there, a lovely step over and finish against uh, Neuer. So, Manu, it seems like, you know, um, Bayern Munich's loss and then your last-minute victory, you you know, in the last match day, seems to be behind them rather efficient uh, and enthralling uh, your goal against a newly promoted side. Yeah, we have to talk about the amount of games that Bayern players have played, right? Because they went on an international break. Then all these players came back on Wednesday. Some of them were still traveling on Wednesday. On Thursday, they played in the cup. We completely forgot about that game, didn't we? <laughs> they had a cup game on Thursday. Um, then on Saturday, they played Bielefeld. I actually really enjoyed this game, Bryce, because I actually, we, we talked about this in, in our group that Bielefeld, like Paderborn last year, they are actually trying to play football. They're actually trying to not just be destructive and play negative football, but they're actually trying and, I think the expectations are fully there that they know that, okay, well, it has to be a very good year, uh, for them to, to stay in the league, right? And if they manage it, they have to, they're only going to be able to manage it with, by playing good football. So this was a much more difficult result for Bayern than it looked at first glance because they had to actually play an opponent that was more than willing to play football with them. And getting that late red card to, to Lisa, for example, those are the kind of things that you just can't that can't happen to you right now in this season because you're already so thin and you're already rotating and 
Bayern Munich, I mean, how often do we have to say it? 250 days, 57 games if they make it to the later stages of all the competitions that they're in. And they usually do, right? They usually make it to all the later stages of the competitions that they're in, whether it be the Champions League, whether it be the Cup, whether it be Bundesliga. And then they play all these additional games, DFL Super Cup, UEFA Super Cup. So this is, um, this is tricky. It's really tricky. And I think that they, when you look at this group, I think they are going to finish in top two in this group, 100% price. But I think the, they are facing Atletico at a moment in time where Atletico probably would like to play them. You know, even though we, we learned this just before we went on the show that Diego Costa is out, but I think they'd be like, well, this is a great time to play them because they have already basically played half a season. They already have half a season in their bones. Whereas we had a break and then, you know, um, just started our, our La Liga season and our schedule is a lot less condensed and we can basically make them run and work hard and hit them where, where it hurts them the most. And remember, Bayern hate playing Atletico Madrid. So I think when you look at this group overall, this is a big stumbling block and it's going to be a really fascinating game. Yeah, I mean, you talk about your Simone and his Atletico side. I don't think anyone wants to face them. I mean, everyone said last year, yeah, Liverpool will be fine. They'll get past mm-hmm. them. I knew all along, and I'm sure plenty of other people did. Now, they, they set up and they they make it difficult to break down. Um, they're maybe not as strong a side as what they have been in the past. Uh, but uh, they're not going to be an, an easy ticket whatsoever. Well, what I am looking forward to in this group is actually uh, Salzburg. Yeah, uh, I think the Salzburg Bayern games that could be great fun. I have. I was both excited, and w- when we get closer to the game, um, they're playing each other first time November third. We're going to have um, some guys from the other Bundesliga podcast on, right? And. We're going to chat a little bit more in depth about this fixture because it is a, it is a little bit of a local derby in some ways. Um, Salzburg and Munich, um, you know this. I grew up in Bavaria. Um, I have family just on the outskirts of Salzburg in um, the Berchtesgadener Land um, in Bad Reichenhall, which is literally the border post between, um, between Bavaria. And then Salzburg is right on the other side. And when I, I went to cover a few Salzburg games last season and, um, because of the proximity to Munich and it's, it's an hour and a bit drive. It's, it's very fast. Um, so this is, this is going to be a local derby between two cities that are historically actually quite deeply connected as well. And I think we're going to be able to talk about that when, when we get to the podcast. But, um, Salzburg was actually is, is one of the reasons why Munich as a city exists today. Um, which is, I think maybe that's something that we can also chat about when we get closer to it, but it's going to be an interesting one too, because Jesse Marsh plays really attractive football. Um, he plays an attacking style of football. Um, I think we can always expect a lot of goals from whenever they play. And I think it's going to be one Austrian sides love to get one over German teams. So they're going to be very motivated, um, to get one over Bayern. So really looking forward to this, Bryce. I, I'm really excited, but also kind of sad because of COVID-19. I, I won't be able to go to any of those games. Yeah, it's, it's it's affecting us all in different ways, isn't it? Um, you whether it's uh, your work or or pleasure or anything else, unfortunately. But it doesn't look to be going away anytime soon. So we're just gonna have to soldier on, I think. But so, yeah, that uh, that Bayern Munich uh, versus Atletico Madrid game will be on Wednesday night. Can I just um, say one more little thing about this? And I, I just this is a point that just came to me. I think this is going to be the biggest test for Bayern's high defensive line bigger even than against PSG because they are going to play very high up right and Atletico is going to 100% let them and it's going to be very different than what Atletico did against RB Leipzig because Nagelsmann doesn't have a style of football he plays whatever right and he was able to dissect um, Atletico style quite well but this is going to be a very big test for Bayern's defensive line um, and the way they play football. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going to be a test just to see where uh, Bayern Munich are at maybe this season as well because 
That's a that's an extremely tough game coming up for them. Then at the weekend they'll be taking on Eintracht Frankfurt. So, um, Manu, I, th- I think we've we've done well to uh, get through um, all the uh, teams featuring in Europe uh, and cover their match days. Sorry, we haven't had time to maybe cover more of the. Uh, other games uh, but uh, as we've said the games are coming thick and fast it's hard to squeeze them all in though what we have squeezed in is a few questions from Twitter so let's get into them Manu so the first question from Hab Angst says due to the condensed schedule and five substitution rule do you think young players will shine this season and if so which players will see the greatest market value increase oh I mean, I, 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 you know, we've we've talked obviously, Manu, you know, plenty about Jude uh, Bellingham and about uh, uh, Gio Reyna and stuff. But I suppose they're already starting for their first yeah. teams. Uh, I, I wonder is is this more a question about the players that would be on the fringes that will get them brought into the side? Uh, and I must say, one that seemed to do very well in the uh, in the cup game for Bayern, you know, was Jamal Musiala. Yeah, yeah. He looked, I mean, he already created, you know, some YouTube, you know, highlight reel stuff, you know, uh, on that first uh, youngest goal scorer in Bundesliga history, too, Bryce. Yeah, yeah. So. I would say we might see a little bit more of him than if there hadn't been this whole scenario that maybe would have been planned. Yes, uh, Jamal Musiala is a player we're going to see a lot. And I think he is a player that is going to see his market value increased accordingly. I think that there was some talk about Joshua Sirkse going on loan. Um, obviously, he's stayed at Bayern. I think he's going to get more playing time than, than people um, thought I think that who will maybe going out on loan was maybe a little bit of a threat by Bayern Munich's bosses to say look you have to do you have to work a bit harder right um, so those are two players at Bayern I think at Leipzig there is a young kid called Lassa Samacic who designed from Hertha right we talked a lot about him a little bit already last year I will keep my eye on him I think that Nagelsmann is going to feed him into the team quite a bit I think um, Gio Reyna, uh, his market value is at 16.5 million euros right now. Uh, oh, sorry, dollars, 15 million euros, 16.5 million dollars. Uh, you can bet on that going up. <laughs> that's without a doubt. Um, but that's again, that's not someone who's going to get rotated in that much. He's, he's just going to play, right? Because he's been starting quite a bit. Um, I would say Florian Wirtz at Leverkusen is another prize, but he's also been starting quite a bit. So is this a player that we're counting as one of those players that are going to go up or do we already know this, right? So it's, it's, it's a really interesting question. And I feel like that with, with these, with this kind of question about market values, um, you always have to look at long term. You, you'll see something, you see a player playing two or three good games that doesn't necessarily affect the market value unless they don't have one yet, right? So can we re, it's a it's a great question, but I think we kind of really need to revisit it until we maybe at around match day ten, and um, I'd be happy to have that question being resubmitted and maybe having some time to actually think about it. Yeah, this is it. The, unfortunately, the players that seem to be coming to mind are already yeah. kind of starting or you know featuring for their team. Um, I, I'm very excited for Hoffenheim about Ryan Sessignon um, getting yeah. some playing time. He he is a real but talent. But is he also one of those that we don't I, know about yet? I think he's going to be a regular starter. So again, I don't yeah. know whether we can really classify him. I, I, I think we're going to see a lot of young players come through. Uh, we're going to be impressed with a lot of them. But the, you, know, a lot of them are going to be at, at that level at the moment that they're, they're, they're you know, unknowns really. Yeah. So, but I, I'm excited for it, um, and I, I think as the season goes on, we're going to find out a, a lot about them. But um, let's go to the second question. So, so I mentioned um, about uh, Dortmund's uh, next game, and that is that they'll be facing Schalke. Yeah, I'm sure Dortmund will be happy to come along and face Schalke in their current form. They have went now 20 games in the Bundesliga without a win. So, I've set the scene. We're going to go to Matthias Martin, who asked, Will Schalke benefit from the absence of its fans, or will it be a disadvantage? He also asks, is Werder Bremen's recent spell of good results real, or just more or less coincidence? Are Bayern's defence 
defensive troubles, sorry, uh, just a blip or is it a real underlying issue for them? So let, let's start with Schalke first. Um, I suppose let's bring in the third question. The third question, somebody wanted us to talk about Schalke and their ultra situation. So I suppose we go back to Schalke and again, I'll set the scene, more or less 80 to 100. Ultras turned up outside the ground um, after the game. Uh, on Sunday, uh, saying that they wanted to speak to the coaches and and the players um, about you know this obviously twenty games without a win and they were concerned. They said that they want them to fight and show the spirit that they showed in the second half against Union Berlin. Um, that game finishing one one. Uh, they said if it if it's at this level, it'll be success acceptable but if it's lower than that then they're going to be obviously rather vocal about their frustrations uh manu does this mean that the absence uh is going to benefit them or is it going to be a disadvantage well there's a lot of questions all at once um let's let's talk about Schalke, right because i think that's the one that um we got two questions about that and i think it is an interesting one i mean we spent a lot of time on Sunday talking about Schalke, Bryce, and I think we both agreed that Schalke looked like a Bundesliga 2 side that are not well organized. And what I mean by that is that you know how we just mentioned Arminia Bielefeld and Paderborn. They are two Bundesliga, obviously two Bundesliga 2 sides that are still trying to compete in this league by actually playing well organized, attractive football. Schalke just looked like a Bundesliga 2 side. You know, they look like a a bad Bundesliga 2 side. And 20 games without a win, this is a long time. And it is, I mean, I'd be, at this point, I really fear for them because there is just no quality in the side. And this is no disrespect to Vedan Ibisevic, a 36-year-old striker. I mean, they had no, they had no business getting a point in that game, Bryce. Let's be honest so, here. They, well, they, they failed to even get a shot on target in the first half. So on the, the, the goal that they scored was, I mean, it was a fluke. I, I think the, I think the issue is that you know that, I mean, yes, maybe you know, uh, Baum needs more time there, and Naldo, you think would be helping them out at the back, you know, with with his experiences. Obviously, we don't know whether he's a good coach or yeah, not. But Bryce, quality doesn't grow on trees. Yeah, so this, <laughs> this is what we talked about, wasn't it? That um, so, sometimes you get a unit that's very strong, but individually they're not yeah. that strong. With Schalke, we're not really getting either. We're, we're, individually, they're poor at the back as a unit. They're terrible at the back. There's no attacking uh, threat whatsoever. You just and if you can't defend, you can't score. What's going to happen? I think uh, Onyo Berlin are going to be really disappointed that they didn't take all three points. Oh, they it's, should have. I mean... It's going to be a long season. And unfortunately, I, I think the fans being in the ground, with the side that we're seeing at the moment, I don't know whether it would make much see, of a difference. See, I actually think that maybe the fans in the ground would help. Because it does give Schalke that little bit of emotion that they might need to get through the situation but right now it's just a cemetery right do you think that just um at the moment with uh with obviously the silence and there being no fans there yeah. you, they've got no one to answer to really yeah. you know you just think ah it's another another game gone it's another one oh we drew whatever silence in the stadium no boo you can imagine if that if their fans were in that game ho 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 I mean, there would be bottles of beer flying. There would be yelling. There would be shouting. A stadium. I mean, the, the roof would come off, right? <laughs> I mean, they have no one to answer to right now. And like a couple hundred fans showing up at the Feltins Arena. Who cares? They're just going to go on the bus and drive off home. I mean, no. It's, I, it's a reckoning coming at Schalke, um, Bryce. Well, Manu, obviously, you're the the ultras, you know, expressing their opinion, you know, um, after the game and saying that they expect a certain standard uh, of game uh, come this weekend. If things don't go well, 
what exactly can we expect from the ultras? What, what do you? I mean, oh. obviously, German football you've known for a long time. You're going to know the Schalke fans yeah. better than some of our listeners. What what way do you see them taking this if it's if it's a four 0 loss and it just looks like they just don't care on the field? They guess banners at the training ground, but I mean, we've seen that. It's going to be the usual hate and the usual threatens threats and. That kind of stuff doesn't help either. It's, it's so hard. What can you do really as a fan in this situation? And I mean, yes, it's the Revere Derby right next. And, um, my expect, we saw last year what happened at the Revere Derby without the fans. The, the, the difference in class, the gulf between Borussia Dortmund and Schalke is massive. I mean, those two teams are not even on the same planet at the moment. And that I, I personally expect that Dortmund will absolutely smash Schalke, right? Um, and what are the fans going to do about it? What can they do? I mean, we're probably going to get the banners at the training ground before and after. We're going to get the hate. We're going to get Deutsche Welle probably posting about it and playing social justice warriors about it and that kind of stuff. And rightfully so. Um, not criticizing them, by the way. I'm, I agree with them, but I think does that really help? And I, I don't know, Bryce. It's, um, when you look at the whole situation at Schalke, we could probably do a podcast about them every week and the, the calamities that they have, they have produced and the long-term issues and the problems that have been deeply ingrained in this club since the last, since the last people that were in charge. And, um, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. Well, then I suppose we better move to the second question. Another club that, uh, well, we're struggling last year. They they seem to have improved things, sitting in seventh place, and that's Werder Bremen. Um, we were asked the question, of, you know, is this a spell of good results or is it a bit of coincidence? Uh, I mean, if... if too early. Yeah, I, I think it's too early, and I think their results have made them look better than what they are. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Can we revisit this as well? Um, because it is just, it is very early. And remember too, that Freiburg had a goal called off in this game, right? So yeah, let's, let's wait and see. Um, I am not as worried about Bremen this year than I was last year. And that's not because they're better, but I think that with Schalke and uh, Mainz and uh, Bielefeld, there is uh, three clear-cut teams that are just worse. And um, that's going to help them and maybe give them the time that they need to kind of rebuild a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Do we know what the uh, Rashika deal is going to be? Obviously, he hasn't moved anywhere. They're trying again in the winter. Are we going to see him on the field in a further shirt, do you feel? uh, It's such a difficult one. Like, they had to give him some time off, right? Because of obviously you thinking you're a Leverkusen player, right? You've already signed the contract. The deal is done. And um, then you find out it's it's not going through because of a technicality. Like emotionally, you've gone. You're absolutely, you're gone from that club. And um, yeah, I, from what I'm hearing, they are going to renegotiate in the winter. Um, and try to get this deal across the line. But what do you do with a player like that um, until then is difficult, right? Because is he fully still there? But at the same time, he also has to play well to get that position in the Leverkusen squad. So, yeah, it's a very difficult situation all around. Yeah, it is indeed. And uh, I have a feeling we will see him on the field. But um, what type of player we're going to get uh, I'm not quite sure. But uh, final topic of the day. Um, that, this was the uh, loaded uh, question. And the final one was, uh, are Bayern's defensive troubles just a blip or is there real underlying issues, Manny? We'll find out this week. <laughs> we certainly will. Um, <laughs> that's a good answer. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll obviously be able to tell against uh, Atletico Madrid. Mm. And then they've got Eintracht Frankfurt as well, who I'm sure will uh, be a stern test for Bayern at the weekend. This um, 
podcast has just flown by, Manny. Uh, we, we've had so much to discuss, obviously, with the match days. Once again, apologies that we maybe didn't touch on some more of the games, but with the European matches coming up as well, we had so much on our plates, didn't we? So um, and thanks for getting in touch with your questions. We always appreciate that and your listens. Um, Manu uh, and I, that, that more or less does it, I think. Uh, you'll be able to find uh, plenty of uh, other information on Transfermarkt and also Football Grand Life. Uh, on the websites uh, and until uh, next week I've been your host Bryce Dunn you can find me on Twitter at Bryce Dunn 11 on Feeders in It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.